Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Mike, do you have a starting quarterback? I might, but you guys not going to have it today. Again, like I told you guys the other week, man, we're not going to make knee-jerk reactions and statements following the performance. We'll go through our proper professional procedure. We'll evaluate the game. We'll meet with our front office people. We'll have discussions. Uh, we'll talk internally. We'll talk external possibilities. We'll go through our normal procedure this time of year, and we'll disclose it to you at our, at our leisure, to be quite honest with you. That's classic Mike Tomlin. I love Mike Tomlin. No nonsense. He's not going to tell us anything. He doesn't need to tell us anything. Anything he tells us, he's telling the Bengals their first opponent of the 2022 regular season. But there was something there that caught me as odd, Chris. At a time when the momentum seems to be pointing toward Mitchell Trubisky as the starting quarterback, he mentioned external possibilities. What external possibilities would there be at starting quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Well... External po- – are they going to trade for Jimmy G? Well, are they going to bring Big Ben back? And I know. That, that part mean, made no sense. And that it may just be where a guy gets caught up in his sayings. Right. Did he sometimes mean, he throws I, something in there right. that, that he really didn't mean to or, say. Or external factors that he mean. Did he mean like right, if the owner just comes in and goes, wait, I want to start Kenny Pickett week one, then he goes, okay, I got to start Kenny Pickett. I mean, I, that's, I wasn't sure what he meant by that either. Or was he referring to, you know, wait, even though I'd like to start Kenny Pickett – you know, there's an external factor of my old line sucks, okay? It stinks, <laughs> and maybe we got to play Mitchell Trubisky because it's not fair to throw the rookie in there. That, that That's to technically me, internal, but he yeah. may want to make some of those guys external. Well, he, yes. I, I mean, I, I go back to that where I'd be shocked if it isn't Mitchell Trubisky. Kenny Pickett has done enough to be the starter, though. I think you and I both know we've watched enough of the Steelers. and watched, I mean, he was impressive once again. I mean, he just, again, smart, pushing the ball down the field, shows athleticism, accuracy. You know, all of that was there for sure on display once again from Kenny Pickett. Mitchell Trubisky looked really damn good too, though. He did. I mean, Trubisky, he's, again, a good athlete. He stands in there. He's got a powerful arm, made some big throws, great post route down the middle to Fryermuth on the second or third drive of the game. That was, you know, impressive in a cover two setting against the Lions. You know, so again, I, I, both guys have played well enough to be the starter, Mike. I think you would, I, you and I would agree on that. And I would just go, wow, with their early season schedule, some of the the teams they got to play as far as their defensive line and their offensive line is concerning. I would probably lean to Trubisky to be the starter here from you know in the, the get go, and then evaluate after a few weeks. Among other things, Trubisky authored a six play, ninety two yard drive in a two minute setting at the end of the first half against the Lions. So. He did make a strong closing argument, and we set it up last week. Tomlin set it up by saying this game potentially will determine the starter. He wants to see how guys do in a stadium setting, and Trubisky played well. However, in that stadium, they were chanting for Kenny Pickett. Yeah. 
later in the press conference, and, and you could just hear it in the voice of the reporter tiptoeing on eggshells to frame the question in a way that won't catch him a verbal rebuke from Mike Tomlin. He got one anyway. Uh, basically, the question is, does the chanting for Kenny Pickett mean anything? And of course, it doesn't mean anything to a football coach, especially not to Mike Tomlin. He doesn't care what they're chanting. He doesn't care what they want. They could be going Rudy, Rudy, Rudy all they want, and Rudy ain't getting in the game. Not with <laughs> no. Mike Tomlin in charge of the sideline. No. So, but, uh, but that is part of this reality. Yes. And if it is an organizational decision. Right. And I've said this before. Local TV ratings have been down. Attendance is down. Tickets are sold, but you need the people to show up and buy all the stuff. You need them to pay too much for hot dogs and popcorn and beer and parking and programs and jerseys and hats. That's part of your profit margin. So they need excitement. And Kenny Pickett's going to excite more than Trubisky. Now, winning is the ultimate source of excitement. But, Chris, you know, it, it's only going to get worse on Trubisky if he's the starter and he struggles. Well, yeah. The Kenny Pickett the chants point. are going to get louder and louder and louder. That's the, the That, I think, is the point. You're right. Tomlin, the organization, they're not going to listen to the fan base. But if things aren't going well, at least they're emboldened by the fan base to go, hey, wait, it's week four and we're one and three. Or it's week five and we're two and three. And the offense hasn't been good. And the fans, they want him. And our guy, he's ready. You know, he's ready to go. We saw he's he was ready in the preseason. It's another few weeks of getting used to, you know, regular season practice. And, hey, we got our O-line in a spot here now where they're playing a little bit better. We know how to protect them. We know the style in which we want to play that doesn't make them or expose them too much. I think that's where then they go, oh, and the fan base wants the guy. Let's do it. That's where I feel like that's where the fans come in. So if it does get rocky roads, bumpy roads, whatever, it's 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 they they at least know that the the media and the fan base behind them is going to be supportive of Kenny Pickett being the starting quarterback. And I think that's where it matters a little at least a little bit to the the organization. And remember, it's always easier to go from the veteran to the rookie. Once the rookie's the guy, much more difficult to pull him out. You get back into the Terry Bradshaw, Terry Hanratty, Joe Gillum days if you start doing that. Because Bradshaw started right away, and it took him four or five years to finally get to where he needed to be. Ben Roethlisberger did not start right away. Tommy Maddox got injured back in 2004. It opened the door for Roethlisberger, and they went 15-1. and one. All that predates Tomlin. See, that's the thing. For as great of a coach as he is, he's never had to deal with this issue. Because yeah. he's always had... Ben, ben Roethlisberger, right. but for injury and suspension in 2010, he's always had him. And Chris, you make a great point about the schedule. At the Bengals, Patriots at home, at the Browns on a short week. Right. But then after that, mini bye, and here come the Jets. Exactly. That could be the time right there. That, that definitely would be an area where I'd look at if you're struggling and you're going, okay, wait, we, even we're one and two, we're 0 oh and three. All right, it's the Jets. Let's let's get them together. Let's get them playing. You know, I mean, that that would make sense. So we'll see where it goes. But you know, again, they're concerning to me on the offensive line, and especially the Bengals. We know can rush the passer. The Patriots, pretty damn good there too with Matthew Don and Christian Barrymore and company. And then we know the Browns with uh, Jadeveon Clowney and of course Miles Garrett. You know, you're gonna have your hands full. It's going to be something to watch for. With Pittsburgh, with a team where we go, wait, there's a lot of pieces you like, definitely. The three receivers, Deontay Johnson, I know, got hurt and hurt his shoulder a little in the game with a great throw by Trubisky. But, you know, Najee Harris looks, whoa, he looks great. The defense, we know there's some pieces there. They have a huge question mark at offensive line. More, more of a question mark at a position than any of the other really quality teams in the AFC that I can think of at the top of my head here. So, look, I think what will happen is we'll hear nothing about it this week. And Tomlin also pointed out they got two more weeks to practice. I think one of the external possibilities could be a trade of Mason Rudolph. 100%. Who played only one series right. yesterday. And there are teams out there like the Lions yes. looking for a backup quarterback and may not be happy with their two internal options behind Jared Goff. But at some point early next week, I assume the Steelers are announcing. I don't think Tomlin believes he can keep it quiet. Sean Payton did a great job of keeping it quiet. Remember the week we didn't know if it was going to be Taysom Hill 
or Jameis Winston right. in 2020. And we, we all thought it was maybe trending toward Winston. And then on Friday, it was announced it's Hill. To keep it quiet after a full day of practice Wednesday and Thursday is impressive. I don't know that Tomlin can pull that off. Maybe he'll try. Maybe we won't know who the week one starter is. Maybe we won't know until, and we've seen that with college games from time to time over the years, first game of the season. We don't know who the starting quarterback's going to be. Out trots the guy that you didn't think it was going to be him. I, I don't think that, that Tomlin could pull that off. But I don't, yeah. I don't he, think there's it, a strategic value in it. If you can keep the Bengals guessing until the first snap of your first drive of the game, that's a win. I, I mean, yes, but I don't think it's a tr- as strategic as the, the Taysom Hill-Jameis Winston thing. For something we talk about all the time. These are two quarterbacks with the same skill set. So I don't think the offense drastically changes, which is a good thing. You know, again, hey, if the starter goes down, we don't have to reinvent a, reinvent the, a new offense or the backup. But I don't know if it holds as true here as where, whoa, are you going to see the Taysom Hill offense with him running and all that? Or are you going to see Jameis Hill dropping back traditional Drew Brees-ish type of offense? That, to me, had real advantage there. This one, I don't know if it does – and I feel like it's more along the lines of, you know, this would be one where I'd go, I'd want to name Trubisky the starter. Let's go into the game one. It's the, we're the AFC champs. Let's have a commander, a general lead us onto the field that we can rally behind a little bit here and, and have our team believe in, hey, we got a guy that we think we can win games. There was a great throw by Trubisky. That's the play Deontay Jones hurt his shoulder on. But, yeah, all in all, I mean, I think people will see on these highlights. Trubisky looks the part. He definitely does. It's just, hey, can he play at a high level consistently? And can that O-line be worth a damn is going to be the big question, Mike. And the Steelers don't necessarily need to have a sheriff at quarterback like a Peyton Manning. Right. Ben Roethlisberger was never that guy, frankly. Yeah. Tomlin has been the guy who runs the team and he provides the leadership from his spot. So the idea that, well, you better name a starter and – point to the locker room, follow this guy. No, the locker room already follows Tomlin. So once Tomlin has a starter and Tomlin entrusts the job to him, that's when the locker room is going to pivot to whoever it is. Trubisky, Pickett, whoever. They don't have those issues in Pittsburgh. They're not going to have a schism, schism in the locker room between the players as to whether it should be Trubisky or Pickett. Whatever Tomlin decides, that's what they'll be 100% behind and don't write off the Steelers in 2022 don't run off the Seahawks either although the quarterback position there not as promising as it is in Pittsburgh because in Pittsburgh they got three guys not one interception they were perfect in the preseason when it comes to keeping the ball out of the hands of the opponent not the same for the Seahawks but Drew Locke window was open didn't get it done here's Pete Carroll after the preseason finale against the Cowboys anointing Geno Smith as the starter for now, um, Gino was solid in his, his outing, and and, uh, and Gino's going to start. You know, the, he's going to start the, the opener, and and uh, he's 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 earned it. Uh, he's won the job uh, with the time and the time frames that got messed up for us. For Drew, Drew did, just didn't. He just ran out of time in making his bid for it, and uh, so I mean, I'm clear about that. So I just want to let you know, so everybody knows, so you don't have to ask about it anymore. Gino just he, he knows our stuff and he does really well. And he understands it and he can manage everything that we're doing, and and he's he's good about the football. Um, he'll, he'll give us the best chance to to be to be playing great football right off the bat. Ho, ho. Did you hear it? Two times. Right off the bat. Doesn't mean it's permanent. Right off the bat. He gives us our best chance right off the bat. And earlier you heard Carroll say he's the starter for the opener. He didn't say he's the starter for the season. Right. He didn't say he's the starter, period. He said he's the starter for the opener. Chris, this is one of those quarterback competitions where the guy who wins it also wins the ticket to be benched. And it's just a matter of time before Drew Locke plays, I believe. Well, I, I think certainly that threat's there. I'm, I'm with you there, Mike. And, and gosh, as we went on through training camp, as much as early on where I thought Geno will be the starter, they kept leaving the door open for Drew like they wanted him to take it over, which, which I get to a degree too. Again, you know, I've been a part of this a little organization traded uh, Russell Wilson away, yes, for picks and a lot of players, but brought this quarterback here too. 
And I think in a lot of ways they wanted to sell that as, hey, the guy we brought for Russell Wilson, look, he's starting and helping our football team. But COVID hurt it. And then, hey, Drew Locke made the decision for them. And then, and again, Drew Locke better be careful. I don't know what else to say. Because three interceptions in preseason game number three, you know, has a reputation of being careless of the football. And really, two of them are horrible. This was the second one. The first one's even worse. Okay? Or maybe I'm, I, this, here's the second one. What? I mean, literally. I mean, you have to look to see where the corner is when you're going to throw the ball out there. I don't know what else to say. Those are bad ones. Those those are not going to get you in the trust tree with any coach, let alone Pete Carroll. And even the third interception was over the middle. The guy's wide open, and he had a, the guy had to kind of go to the ground to try to catch it, and the ball popped in the air. So, you know, he made the decision for the Seattle Seahawks. But, yeah, I don't think this is like, you know, lock, stock, two smoking barrels here that we got Geno Smith as a starter all year. He's going to have to earn it and keep this job basically on a week-to-week basis. I think I've asked you this before, but I'm going to ask it again. Right now, Yeah. if the 49ers cut Jimmy Garoppolo before week one, do the Seahawks sign him? Well, the, the, you know, I, we got some of this quarterback talk right now, but you uh, let's get into this. You want Because if I'm the 49ers with Trey Lance and the way that looked, I'm not, I'm not letting Jimmy Garoppolo go right now. <laughs> Here's my signal to the 49ers and my friend Kyle Shanahan, because I was going to talk about this next period, uh, next subject, but I'm going to talk about it now. It, offer, offer Jimmy Garoppolo less money and see if he'll stay with the football team. Jimmy Garoppolo, stay with the 49ers. What, do you want to go to the crappy Seattle Seahawks? Don't go there. Stay with the 49ers. Take less money. Trey Lance, he might get hurt. I don't know if he can hold on to the job with the way he looks right now. So where I would go, Jimmy Garoppolo, your best place to be of all the NFL after looking at everything here, how the preseason has fallen out and everything, no major injury, stay with the 49ers. Stay with the 49ers. And if you reduce your level, your pay cut or whatever, you know, and okay, Jim and Trey Lance starts to do well and it's week seven or eight and things are all great, Okay, it's trade time. You're, you're, maybe there's a market for you to go to a team now that makes sense. And plus, you won't be $25 million on the books. But So that would be my, my answer to that, Mike. The 49ers right now have a Super Bowl team, and by far the biggest question on their team is their quarterback. It was shaky as hell the other night. And other than one pass down the left sideline in preseason game number one, it wasn't all that great then either. And I, that would scare me to death if I was running that organization. I agree with everything you just said, with one exception. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo should not offer to take a penny less than what he's due to make this year. And it's a base salary of $24.2 million, but that's without the 17th game check. When you factor in the 17th game check, it's $25.6 million. It's right. $1.42 million per game. At this point, after they've squatted on him all this time, I would say, if you're going to keep me around, oh, by the way, he has a little leverage in his favor because Lance has maybe created some concern as to whether he's ready and he could get injured. My position is cut me by week one and let me become a free agent. Or if you're going to keep me, you're paying me $1.42 million per week. Well, and if you trade me at some point, that's a different issue. We get past the trade deadline. Maybe we work something out where I don't accept all of my termination pay if I can be released and go play for someone else. But I'm not reducing my salary below $25.62 million. Not at this point. It's too late for the 49ers to get that deal. If they want to keep him, they got to pay him. Well, I mean, yes, maybe. But here would be my rebuttal to that to a degree. And, again, I'm always for the player getting their money. I'm not trying to – but I would go cut you and go where? Where are you going to go that's so great right now? Oh, you're going to go play for the Seattle Seahawks who can't protect the quarterback and – you know, have a lot of issues. I don't know if that's necessarily going to put you in the best spot to be where you want to be in 2023. Would you go to the Houston Texans and, you know, be behind the, the eight ball as far as the offense and stuff behind Davis Mills? And then what if you don't beat him out by week 10? Everyone's going to go, well, he couldn't beat out Davis Mills. We can't give him a... So that's where I go. If they can find a sweet spot, maybe that makes sense because we're getting to the point here where I go... It doesn't make sense for Jimmy Garoppolo to go anywhere else. There's nowhere else to go. 
That, that's where I go stay with the Niners and the Niners with Kyle Shanahan and, and Jed York and all their Steve Young tough talk and, oh, we'll keep them and they did that. Well, then damn do it. Let's see it because I think you're being really risky. That team is Super Bowl. It's the best roster in football and I wouldn't just let Jimmy Garoppolo go. People, if, if you have to sit Trey Lance at some point during the year and Jimmy Garoppolo comes in and does well, yeah, there's going to be people that are going to get on you and go, oh, man, yeah, he was the number three pick and you traded these picks away. But if you start winning games and go to the playoffs and get to the Super Bowl and do that, people will forget. It's okay. You know, you're going to have to take some lumps here. But I don't think you just take a huge lump or a cross to the face to ruin a Super Bowl chance if Trey Lance gets hurt or really struggles just because you're trying to save face because of a move you made two years ago in the draft to get Trey Lance. We can pull up the tape from months ago, but early on in this process, in the offseason, I said what they're going to do, they're going to squat on Jimmy Garoppolo until right before the start of the season, and they're going to go to him and say, Jimmy, you're not the starting quarterback. We'd love to keep you around, but we can only pay you $10 million. You either take $10 million from us or you become a free agent just as the season is starting and all the depth charts are set right. and you got nowhere else and to go. And is anybody going to pay you 10 or $12 million like we will? That's the other question you got to throw on there, too. Or they, maybe right. they find that sweet spot, $14 million, to go, hey, here's $14 million. You know, If we release you, I don't think anybody else is going to give you $14 million this year. I don't think he's going to get that. I don't. So that's where it would be interesting. And, you know, again – uh, I, I don't talk about these matters. I haven't talked to my buddy Kyle Shanahan in a long time. I'm literally talking to him right now as a friend, like trying to yell through the microphone because that's, that's what I came to after this weekend, after watching that game on Thursday night for sure. One, one last point, too. I know we have to take a break, but it may not necessarily be in Jimmy Garoppolo's worst interest to not play at all this year. His I hear you. closing argument from last season wasn't bad. It didn't hurt Deshaun Watson. I know Deshaun Watson is a much better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. But I got you. It didn't hurt him to not play a year. I, so why do I want to get thrown into some bad situation that's what I mean. and hurt myself? Exactly. So I just I sit here and wait. I sit here and wait. I, and, I, I and yeah, hear you. You know what? The more you think that, about it, you keep going, sitting here and wait. The 49ers makes the most sense for him. And I think it honestly makes sense to the 49ers. I, you know, I, I wouldn't. So what? You're going to have to deal with some public backlash. I, I don't know. At the end of the day, I, I would want that protective Jimmy Garoppolo as my backup. If this guy doesn't work out or he gets hurt, okay, at least I got him. And, yeah, you're going to have to take some crap. So what? I mean, the 49ers started Steve Young in 1988 and game two of the year. Joe Montana, two-time Super Bowl winning quarterback. They started Steve Young. They went, uh, it, it does not going to work. Let's get him out. Joe came back in. They won the Super Bowl. They won the Super Bowl. Joe gets hurt in the NFC Championship game. See you later. Then it's Steve Young in 1991. So, again, you know, as much as I know we all want it right now, 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 it, you know, patience is a virtue, they say, and maybe this is one where you got to do it here. Boy, you're getting wise in your old age. So Garoppolo either either sits and doesn't play and last year becomes a perfect closing argument for free agency next year, or he stays with the 49ers, and if he's called upon to play at some point, he's in a position where he plays well enough that he only enhances his status next year instead of landing with some team where it all goes to crap and, and people are going to view him differently next year. I... Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But it makes some sense. They've led you're, us you're, to believe he's yeah, not going to be right. on the team. Yeah. Maybe that changes. we got to take a break. Now that the preseason's over, how confident are we in some of the young quarterbacks going into the season? Apparently not too confident in Trey Lance. More PFT Live right after this. <laughs> the Red Solo Cup is the ubiquitous message to the world that I'm drinking booze. And the Red Solo Cup lets everyone know I don't care. Well, so does the clear mug with beer in it. It, it also does. And, you know, then it's also reusable. So, you know, me, Johnny Environment. And that's a good point Thank as you. I go through about 10 Red Solo Cups a week down in my barn. All right, okay. Mike, come on. Make the adjustment. Let's go. Gonna take pollution down to zero. They're biodegradable. <laughs> okay. okay. Are they? No. Uh, no. We fight the war on the planet. <laughs> Captain Planet, happy birthday Woo! to you and many more for you and for the planet. It was weird because I was paying attention, not 
fully and completely to the show as I saw the Matthew Berry clip running. I didn't realize it wasn't him talking, and it occurred to me, I never knew that he and I sound alike. (laughs) (laughs) Fortunately for Matthew Berry, he does not sound like me. All right, uh, let's You're still not here, huh? You're still not here, huh? Yep. Still not here. Yep, isn't Um, here. Literally 40 miles away. The control room's doing a great job of trolling you with your bottom bottom graphic there today. I love it. Way to go, control room. By the way... On the day that you turn 42, does 4.20 in the afternoon have any added no meaning? No, because I didn't really get to tell you about my weekend this weekend. It was the first time I was back on the ganja train, all right? <laughs> right? And that thing was, that thing was, it was going big time. Uh, holy cow, did that hit me like a ton of bricks on Friday night? I could tell you that. Uh, I was like, whoa, okay, I haven't done this in a while. I better put this out, all right? So that was a lot of fun. So was Saturday night. But no birthday today i'm back on schedule it's only weekends only so i'll be cleaning and detoxing today no doubt no doubt and just have some cake tonight one of the main reasons chris sims has a four-day work week so he can have a three-day weekend (laughs) thursday friday saturday night and into sunday afternoon all right scale of one to ten confidence level on a variety of quarterbacks and we're skipping over trey lance because and i still think we need to apply a number to him yeah let's do that let's do it Where, where, where are you with Trey Lance, because you were texting during the game Thursday night that it was not looking good. No, and I watched. You know, the first thing I did Friday morning was turn on the film because I went. I got to see it. There's just there, there's not a lot of natural feel and the ability to see downfield when the pocket collapses. Let alone when he throws the ball. I, I still feel like it's like, oh, I hope it gets there. You know, I mean, wide open guy over the middle, got to go to the ground. My confidence level is like at a five. It, it's 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 very low. I don't feel great about it. No, I know Shanahan and that offense can do some things certainly and get a game plan to help it out and it'll make it look better. But if if Shanahan can't, uh, th- this like the rest of it scares me. It does. Uh, so that's where my confidence level is not real high, and that's where I'd say Jimmy. they need to keep Jimmy G, and Jimmy G needs to keep them. It's the best thing for both worlds right now because this guy is not ready, uh, at least from the way it looked this preseason, for primetime. And I feel like, Mike, they're even saying that. I mean, man, Shanahan was literally like, I wish we had more time to give him more reps. And you hear reports from people who watch practice out there it's not smooth on a daily basis at all by any accounts at all. So uh, that's where I'm uh, – yeah, five, Mike. Sorry to ramble so much there. He was going to play two drives on Thursday night. Shanahan gave him a third and then said, I would have liked to have given him even more than that. That tells you he's concerned that this guy isn't ready to be thrown into the fire as the starter week one at Chicago. Speaking of Chicago, Justin Fields had three touchdown passes against the Cleveland Browns. Best performance by far of the preseason. What's your 1 to 10 confidence level in him heading into that week one showdown against the 49ers? Eight, eight and a half. I mean, it's up there. I mean, Justin Fields continues to really impress me. Uh, again, I was a guy that questioned his throwing motion and, and if it was, you know, going to work in the NFL. He's made the proper adjustments. He really has. And as you see with all these throws here, he has great control over the football. He throws nice spirals. Of course, on the run, he throws the ball really well. He can push the ball down the field with ease where you just go, wow, it doesn't even look like he's trying. And he's throwing this ball 30 yards down the field right here. You know? And then his athleticism is, is real to where when he takes off and run, it's different than Trey Lance, who we just talked about. This guy's got another gear. Justin Fields is a little bit like when he takes off and run, there's a Lamar factor where you go, or Kyler Murray, or even Michael Vick, where you go, I don't know, is he the fastest guy on the field? So, I, to me, the question was Justin Fields, is just, is there enough weapons around him to help him? I like the offense and the new offensive coordinator and Luke Getze from the Packers. So there's a lot of positives there. It's just about the players around him. But eight and a half, Mike, I'm going to say eight, eight and a half. Yeah, see, I can't not drive that number down I know, because of the, of the other, weapons around know, him. So right. eight and a half if, if I felt good about his weapons. But given that it's one-man band for Justin Fields, for the most part, no yeah. disrespect to the guys there, but it's not a high-end collection of talent – I'm going to go more like seven. Okay. But seven is higher than I thought it was going to be. Right. Right. It is. And, you know, one thing I I did not love about him coming out is when he threw the ball, his elbow would always go up like this. 
it still goes up like this, but it's not the first motion anymore. At least it comes through the hand and then gets to that point. And to me, I know I'm being quarterback nerd guy here, but there's a difference in that and how that mechanic plays out and then the the delivery itself and uh, decision-making, really good. I mean, damn, he's had a really good preseason. They should be happy with the way Justin Fields looks, that's for sure. All right, let's pivot to another second-year quarterback, the 15th overall pick in the 2021 draft, Mac Jones of New England Patriots. He was 9 for 13 for 71 yards against the Raiders. With one of the ugliest interceptions you will ever see in your life, what is your confidence level 1 to 10 regarding Michael McCorkle Jones heading into year two? Well, I like the way Mac Jones looks. Like, I mean, popping his arm, his arm is more powerful He's quick as hell moving in the pocket. He ran for a nice first down on a third and 10. He moves okay. You know, it, it, this is a little almost like the Justin Fields thing to me to a degree where I go, I actually don't have a whole lot of questions about the player, and I'll probably put it at about an eight here with Mac Jones too. But, but, so my question's not about the player, but instead of the talent like we talked about with Justin Fields, I, I, do, I still question the system a little bit and the way things look. There isn't an, a great flow within that offense this preseason. People aren't wide, or wide open or coming open like they were when Josh McDaniels was coaching the offense. I see plays where I go, wait, receivers are too close together. You know, again, that's a big loss for Josh McDaniels. So I'm giving an eight, but I have question marks about the offensive system still. There's no doubt about that. See, and, and I have to knock Yeah, do it down. down. This is good that you're doing it. it's too much. I got to go six and a half. Yeah. Right now, Mac Jones is the one good thing from last year to this year, but I don't know that he's going to be able to overcome whatever is going on around him. That's now, fair. he acknowledged after the game that it's on him to stay at the top of the pocket, step up if need be. Don't put his blockers in a tough spot. He rolled to his right on that interception, and I don't know if we have He lost it. He kind of got stuck behind a guy, and the linebacker was floating with him this this way and then stopped. See, you can almost see it there. But look, there are six Raiders. I know. Well, he's going to hit it. was the needle in a six Raider haystack on that throw. I I get it. I get it. I I watched this closely on film, and you can see the backer right there, right? See, he he had had an offensive lineman and a defensive lineman kind of in his vision, I think. And I think he thought, wait, as I roll to the right, that linebacker is coming with me. And you can see him in the middle of the field there. And he rolls there, but he stops and puts the brakes on and comes underneath. Now, the other guys, from my assessment on film, Mike, would not have got it. He would have got the completion. But, yeah, hey, every now and then you don't see somebody. That was a bad one. He hit him right in the chest. Uh, but, yeah, I'm more concerned about their offense, I think, you know, to your point. I'm glad we're doing this. I'll, I'll rank the quarterback, and you can rank it with the offense. It actually makes a little sense here. And, and in the preseason, game planning isn't as important. Right. In some cases, it's non-existent. But that was a weird kind of a look from the Raiders, and I don't know if that is something that other teams will file away for Mac Jones. It was a four-man rush. One I guy, saw Cleveland Farrell. Drop out. They coverage. did a lot of that. It was that. ultimately a three-man rush. They right. gave him plenty of time to set up and throw, and they chose to go ahead. One Mississippi, two Mississippi. We're eventually going to flood the lane, and you're or you know you're not going to find an open guy, and the pocket's going to collapse at yeah. some point. But they did a lot I, in that, that game, would, Mike. For some reason, that, they did a lot of it. Yeah. Well, they, hey, they they potentially are going to be competing those two teams for a wild card berth. No doubt. But you can't just think about your division. You have to think about the other teams that aren't going to win their division. And Josh McDaniels and the Raiders could be head to head with the Patriots for spot six or seven in that AFC playoff field. All right, the last one, Tua, Miami Dolphins quarterback, had a big play. Big play on Saturday night, although it would have been a bigger play if the ball had been delivered on target and he admitted it himself after the game. Great throw and catch. Better catch than throw. 51 yards to start the game. All things considered, here it is, a little play action. Had to turn his back to the defense. Reconfigured. Pulled him inside. Didn't hit him in stride, but still a 51-yard gain. Where are you 1-10 to with Tua as the regular season approaches? Well, it's a good start, you know. Again, and, and it really is. They're a talented football team. They're one of the most talented rosters in football. I think I look at the Dolphins go, you know, top five, top six talent roster in, in the game. I, I, I still am not going to sit here and go, oh, I'm just – absolutely sold you know I, I mean again I like it 
but I'm gonna give it like a six, six and a half, maybe. I'm gonna say around. I'm gonna say six and a half because of I think what again, you know, some of that's game plan plays, the boots, people wide open. Uh, th- that's I know he can do that. I'm not worried about that. It's it's not that. It's 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 again when I'm playing the first, you know, when I'm not playing second and third stringers on Philadelphia, and I'm playing the starters, and where the pocket's collapsing. You know, can I throw the ball 15 yard out route? You know, into a tight window with the those are the things I want to see more. And he really wasn't put in that situation, so that's where again it looked good. It's a good start. Everything's positive, but I'm not as sold with the way that looks as compared to Fields or Mac Jones. I have more confidence in their real ability than Tua at this point. I'm sorry. And with Fields, it was the lack of help around him. With Jones, it was the lingering questions about the coaching transition which knocked both those guys down in my eyes. I'm going to pump Tua up above right. your six and a half because right. of the skill position players around him and because of Mike McDaniel, because McDaniel's going to keep that rush on its toes. He's going to keep those guys on because you're, you're right. going to have the jet sweeps and the bubble screens, and they're going to be chasing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle all over the place. And then you throw in Chase Evans and Raheem Mostert. I think McDaniel's going to have some genius-level game plans that will allow Tua – to thrive without having to make that big yeah, you might be in right, a big Mike. spot I when know. the walls are closing in on it. I think that's the thing to look for. If they can continue to have, you know, the window dressing and the illusion of complexity and dressing plays up, then, yes, he can wheel and deal and do all that. Uh, and, and certainly, and seen, they have talent. We know that. So that, that's going to be the big thing. It's just, yes, how many tricks can McDaniel have? How creative is he going to be? You know, I want to see it, too. You know, because we know Shanahan's kind of the magic man in San Francisco. How much did he bring with him where he's got his own magic here to help Tua out? That crazy brawl that we saw on Thursday with Aaron Donald swinging a couple of Bengals helmets resulted in no discipline by the league yet. Will the Rams do anything about Aaron Donald and his Miles Garrett incident times two? We'll discuss that next on this Monday edition of PFT Live. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. You guys will wonder about you know the the situation that occurred like we had talked about well we've handled that in-house i do trust that uh, if something like that occurs again in terms of you know if there is a fight or whatever that those situations that played out won't won't be a factor uh, because i have such trust in our players and and they understand and, and aaron understands that that was something that we were fortunate nobody got injured and and that for that i'm very grateful so in terms of handling it in-house sean was there any discipline involved yeah, we're going to keep all that stuff in-house, kind of like we talked about, so hopefully you respect that. I talked to Aaron. We've dealt with it in-house, yes. Sorry, Sean, I don't respect it. I don't respect it. It's not the right approach. You got lucky that no one got seriously injured. Until you stop the behavior, it's just a matter of time before somebody does get seriously injured. And then everybody will say, we didn't know that could happen. Well, you know, you're on notice. You're on notice that guys will, when pushed to a certain point, swing their helmet at, or someone else's helmet, as the case may be, at someone else. So if and when there's ever the kind of connection, and there's a photo, Chris, that's horrifying of one of the helmets that Aaron Donald is bringing down onto the helmet of another Bengals player, and you can see the, the helmet is almost flat from the impact. I mean, this is Aaron Donald swinging a helmet. Can you imagine what he would done if could have done if he would have connected with somebody without a helmet on? And we know at least two guys didn't have helmets on. So, I th- this is like the commissioner saying back in February about the Washington Commanders: we can't have a team investigate themselves. How can we expect the Rams to be the ones who impose discipline on Aaron Donald? They're only going to hurt themselves if they suspend him for the opener. But if it if it's something that happened in a game, he'd be suspended for multiple games. Yeah, well, I don't get it. Yeah, I don't I, buy it. I, I don't respect it. I, I I hear you there. It, it's 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 extremely dangerous. We know that. 
you know, at the very least, it's not a good example to set for young kids, high school kids, college kids to be seeing Aaron Donald doing that on TV. We know that as well. You know, I'm shocked that really something bad hasn't happened already along these lines. I've I've described fights on my podcast where helmets have been swung like that at guys that are not wearing a helmet. But you know, again, this is like this is almost it becomes assault. You know, with what you're doing there, and it crosses a line. And yes, I'm with you there. As much as I love Aaron Donald and the Rams, and you know, again, I don't. There, there's. What's shocking is there's no rules about this. The NFL, which has control over everything you do off the field and everywhere, and all these bylaws that you know we can protect the shield. But here we are in a joint training camp practice, and there's no there's no rule for that. They have no jurisdiction there. That that is odd. I can't I can't say that enough. That is very odd. That. They can't do anything here in this setting. But when you're at home in your personal setting, they can. And that, that's, that doesn't make sense to me. The personal conduct policy applies everywhere in the world except on the practice field because that's where the team is in charge of policing the misbehavior of a player, even when it goes beyond anything that you would reasonably expect a player to ever do. I agree with you. And I'm surprised the league hasn't done something, hasn't tried to do something. Sometimes even if you think you're going to lose in an arbitration setting, there's value in standing up. For what's right. Right. I, 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 th- th- this one boggles the mind. And you use that word assault. And it's unfortunate because Schefter used that after Miles Garrett and got clowned for it. But it is assault. And it does go beyond the consent that a football player gives to the contact that he will be subjected to when he steps onto a football field. Right. There is a point where the behavior exceeds the legitimate use of physical force. There was a lawsuit filed recently in connection with one of these cage-fighting MMA-type things where a guy used a clearly illegal maneuver beyond the pale and inflicted a serious injury. You know, there are fights that can go too far in hockey where you are beyond what you have signed up for. Right. And when you play football, you do not sign up to get hit over the head with your own helmet. You just don't. And it is assault. If you'd walk up to somebody on the street and do it, You'd get arrested for it. I remember when Albert Hainsworth did it in Tennessee to Andre Girard, right. 2005, I believe, maybe 2006, stepped on his forehead with his cleat, ripped it open. Right. Should You do that out on the street and you go to jail. You do it in a football game. Now, he did get suspended for it, but it does cross the line beyond anything that you reasonably agree to when you decide to play football. And it is assault. It, it, it shouldn't be a punchline. That's what happened when Miles Garrett did it, and that's what happened when Aaron Donald did it. Definitely, and I, I don't expect anything to happen. I don't, and I'm not even going to lie. I mean, if I was the Rams, I mean, yeah, maybe I'd find them some money, but I'm, I'm going to have them out there week one. They gave a stern talking to, Chris. Please I, don't do it again, I, Aaron. De- I mean, Please don't do it again. I know. They, they need to make, you know, make sure he, he gets this, but I think this is at least maybe this is the jump-off point to hopefully where the NFL now goes into, wait, we we got to have some rules or some jurisdiction when maybe it's two teams together. Okay, if it's your own team and all that, I, something, something has to. They got to protect themselves or just like you said, just in case right there, you know, let alone if, what if somebody, like you said, had the helmet off and they got hit? You know, the NFL is going to be the one that's going to be liable there. They're going to they're gonna be they get sued if somebody gets really hurt that way. It's not going to just be the team that's going to be in hot water. So I would think this starts the conversation in the league office about we got to do something here to protect ourselves. And I got to think the NFLPA would probably go, you know what? It's probably a good thing to have something here to protect all of us here as we go forward because they got to protect the players as much as they want to protect Aaron Donald. They got to protect the guys that are getting hit by these damn things in, the, in this case for sure. And some may wonder how would the NFL be responsible for something that the NFL didn't do. You're talking about deliberate misconduct by someone like Aaron Donald. How is the league responsible? The theory would be something along the lines of negligent supervision, negligent failure to protect. Negligence is the key because they know now that this happens. Yeah. They are on notice that this is within the scope of stuff that can go wrong at a joint practice. And if you're not policing it, you're not going to stop it. And, and that's the one last remaining piece of this that we'll see how it plays out. Even though the league can't do anything to Aaron Donald, 
the league can take action against the Rams for failing to control Aaron Donald. We'll see if they do. We had that big press release about Stephen Ross tampering with Tom Brady and Sean Payton, but nobody could have gotten seriously hurt physically by tampering. Let's see if they do something, Chris, when it comes to an important safety issue at a time when we hear about health and safety, health and safety, health and safety all the time, and that's good. This just can't fall through the cracks and be forgotten. I think it's going to. I think it's going to fall through the cracks. I don't, I don't think they're going to be able to do anything. It's going to be on the Rams, and yeah, it's not a good look, but I think it does start the, the change, hopefully, to where they, got, they realize both sides, this, this can't go on anymore. You know, there were two Sundays left before the start of the regular season when Chris and I and many others, and we're not complaining. We're on a nonstop roller coaster of activity. I enjoy the last couple of Sundays before things really heat up. Yesterday's enjoyable Sunday became complicated by Aaron Rodgers digging up an old issue. Yeah, I've been immunized. We'll discuss that next on PFT Live. Are you vaccinated and what's your stance on, on vaccinations? Yeah, I've been immunized. Um, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of conversation around it, around the league, and a lot of guys who have made statements and I made statements, owners who made statements. Um, you know, there's guys on the team that haven't been vaccinated. Uh, I think it's a personal decision. I'm not going to judge those guys. Um, there's guys who have been vaccinated that contracted COVID. Um, so... It's, it's an interesting issue that I think we're going to see played out the entire season. I had never previously noted that genius filibuster by Aaron Rodgers. He created the impression that the stuff he said after, yeah, I've been immunized, was a follow-up. See, when you talk for 45 seconds, they may forget to follow up. And that becomes important because the true answer wasn't, yeah, I've been immunized. It's, no, I've been immunized. He wasn't, and we know that now, but it's relevant, not because you've stepped into a time warp, but because Aaron Rodgers on the Joe Rogan podcast admitting that he deliberately said what he said to keep the media from figuring out that he hadn't been vaccinated. He didn't want to admit it. He wanted to conceal it. But don't take my word for it as if you ever would. Open your eyes, open your ears, have a look, have a listen. So I've been ready the entire time for this question and had thought about how I wanted to answer it. And I had come to the conclusion, I'm going to say, I've been immunized. And if there's a follow-up, then talk about my process. But thought there's a possibility that I say I'm immunized. Maybe they understand what that means. Maybe they don't. Maybe they follow up. They didn't follow up. So then I go the season, them thinking, some of them, that I was vaccinated, right? Because they follow, the only follow-up they asked was basically asking me to rip on my teammates. Like, what do you say to your teammates who aren't vaccinated? Like, what kind of example do you feel like you're setting, you know, to your teammates who aren't vaccinated? And I said, hey, it's everybody's own decision with their body, and we're super healthy individuals. We take care of ourselves. We understand what goes in our bodies, and I don't have any judgment on any decision that a guy makes with their own body, right? But I knew at some point, if I contracted COVID or if word got out because it's the NFL and there's leaks everywhere, it was possible I'd have to answer the questions. And then sure enough, I contract COVID in uh, at the beginning of November, end of October. Um, and that's when the storm hit because now I'm a liar. I'm in, you know, endangering, uh, you know, the community, my teammates, all these people. And, the, you know, it, you know, the, the, attempted takedown of me and you know my word and my integrity uh, began but yeah you took down your own word and your integrity by doing what you did you specifically concocted a scam hopeful that you would conceal the fact that you weren't vaccinated because you didn't want to take the heat you didn't want to have to explain it that was it plain and simple chris he he made some good points right but under the rules, and there are plenty of rules we don't like in the NFL. Yeah. Plenty of rules the players don't like, but you got to follow them. And one of the rules was in the press room last year, you had to wear a mask if you weren't vaccinated. He didn't because he wanted to continue to keep up this ruse that he really was when he wasn't. And th there's no honor hidden anywhere in that. He deliberately duped the media, and now he's basically bragging about it. 
Yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm not going to ever be like mad at somebody for not getting vaccinated. I, I do feel that that's a personal choice. You know, that was one that I didn't really want to get vaccinated. I didn't. You know, my health, my age, I just thought, okay. But, like, to, so I'm not going to judge on that, that, that department. But, yes, to be deceitful, to try to deceive all of us when you know you're doing it, it does bother me. There's no doubt about it. I mean, come on. I do. And, you know, again, it's, it was, yes, tactical, but it just it hurts me as a, a guy that, again, I love Aaron Rodgers. He's in, in my favorite quarterback ever to watch. He, to me, is in that conversation for greatest quarterback ever and in the conversation for best interviewer ever because he's always kept it really honest. And, you know, sounds like he was ready to go honest. If it went there, nobody did. But either way, that doesn't give him a you know, a, a right to, to deceive us and trick us that way and then break the rules like you're talking about that everybody else had to follow. So that's where I'm, I am. I'm, I get disappointed with Aaron Rodgers for that aspect, certainly, that I just go, oh, man, like you're smart enough and he's good enough and thought out enough to where, like, I was said from, like I've said from the start, I think he's the type of guy that could have been really real about this conversation and really started a good conversation because, like you said, there's plenty of good points. He's got plenty of science, and it's not like this is some idiot that was just like, okay, I didn't do this. He did stuff to make himself healthier and better. He went a different route. You know, I know people are going to judge that. I can get respect that, but I don't like lying and BSing, and that's, that's what we got from, from Aaron Rodgers on this subject. He said that he has an allergy to one of the ingredients in the mRNA vaccines. Those are the Pfizer and the Moderna. He didn't want to take the Johnson & Johnson because of the blood clot risk. Applied for an exemption from the league's procedures. And the one thing that gets lost in this all the time, it was the league and the union that agreed to these procedures. And they didn't do it because they privately hold millions of shares of Pfizer and Moderna stock. They tried to come up with the best way to get through this thing safely and also successfully. Right. So those are the rules they made. If you don't like the rules, take it up with the people who made the rules. Don't lie about your compliance with the rules. Don't pretend you're complying because you don't want to take the heat. You don't want to be criticized by people who would disagree with you. Be willing to stand up and state in an intelligent, reasonable way why you had a concern. That's the bottom line. I it know. undermines everything he did. Everything he said yesterday, it all made sense. Why didn't you say it last August? Well, and when you go back and watch that clip, yeah, I mean, he's not full-blown shifty no, but you eyes, could tell but he's, you can tell yeah, when he says, yeah, I've been immunized, he's got a little... Uh, yeah, he kind of waits and then go he goes over. down a filibuster yeah. roll there yeah. for, for sure. But, yeah, yeah it's... it's uh, I, I wish he didn't do it either. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it and... Um, he didn't, he didn't need to lie about it, but at the same time, you know, if I put myself in his shoes, you know, again, he, he wants to play football, you know, and he's trying to, yes, yeah, skirt the rules a little bit. And he obviously was strong about not wanting to put these things in his body. And I know there was a lot of people that were very strong against that, you know, and, and he's probably worried that he, he wouldn't be able to play if that was the case. So you know, that led him to lying, and that's not cool. That's not. Like we said, I think he's the kind of guy that can, can have that conversation and maybe open some people's eyes a little bit. Uh, and at the very end of the day, yeah, he did break the rules when the rest of the guys were expected to follow them, and, and that's not cool either. I do think it's hilarious to hear him talk about how careful he is about everything he puts in his body while he's smoking a cigar the entire time. That, that was a nice little touch. Let's take a break. More PFD Live right after this. Chris, have you honored your uh, detox? Oh, yeah. Going strong. It sounds like willing to, you know, appease him to do. Okay, go ahead. So I can understand Brady wanting to make that move for a, a myriad of reasons. They didn't want to go all in that this was such a coup d'etat. Well done, by the way. Thank you well very done. much. Every, I'm, I read about it a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you Damian Pierce is the guy that gets the, what do they say, the lion's share of the, the carries? Yes, well done. I'm on well fire done. today. Woo. That, that's the only thing that I'm like. You know, a little showing a little trepidation about he has earned a certain amount of right, and of, I'm yeah, cachet, whatever. Ability. Right, you know, he could be a, a pain in the butt and start a, a little, you know, schism 
uh, as far as the fan base and all that. Is that the right word, schism? That's, That's the right word. Wow. Well done. Boom. Well done. Ingenuous language that was used there. By the way, for those of you keeping at home a Simsism scorecard, ingenuous is a word. Yes. Kind of like George Costanza <laughs> when he wasn't able to have sex. He became really smart. You get off the weed and you become a genius. Uh, yes, I did. Yes, I got uh, all these words that I had forgotten in the cloud of smoke came to the forefront of my brain once again. But now they're all gone, so don't worry. They're, gone. they're all gone. gone. <laughs> they're all gone. They were blasted into oblivion. <laughs> Boom. All gone. Friday night. Oh, and well done. Just one year closer to death. That's what they got underneath you now. I'm like, that's a good one. I like that, everybody. Well Why is done. that? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's not my birthday. Uh, yeah, it's and all right. Also, they know Miles you're older. Simmons get access to the control room? All right. Um, Superlatives for week three of the 2022 preseason. What do you got? Well, I, I'm going to go to a subject we haven't hit. Um, patty cake, patty cake, Baker's man. He'll get you a touchdown as fast as he can. Baker Mayfield looked pretty damn good the other night. He did. Again, I know that wasn't the starters of the Bill, uh, Buffalo Bills defense, but Baker, I just felt like, you know, other than one play where I think he they messed up which way to send the running back on a bootleg or whatever. Again, I don't know how you can argue with some of this. I mean, Baker's arm, it's gifted. And just ability to fit the ball into tight windows here. Nice little power throw into coverage to get the first down. You know, moves well in the pocket. I thought that was a good confidence builder slash, you know, jump start for this Carolina offense to get them going. His second touchdown pass where he scrambles and makes a little play off schedule into the end zone. I think this is it right here. I mean, really well done. And I think this is why they made Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback. All right. Mine's the bubble wrap award with a little twist to it. I'm going to praise Super Bowl winning coach Doug Peterson of the Jaguars. He had 27 of his starters, 20, well, more than, more than, that's, Regardless, 27 key players, starters and others, not play on Saturday. And they went 0-4. He didn't care about winning. You could say, oh, the Jaguars need to turn it around after last year with Urban Meyer. They need to try to win some of these preseason games. I don't care about winning the preseason games. Doug Peterson knows what he needs to do to turn this team around. He protected his guys over the weekend. In contrast, and another Super Bowl winning coach, Mike Tomlin, I'm never going to question his methods, but holy crap, disaster averted apparently with T.J. Watt taking that low hit. Similar to what we saw happen to Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, Deontay Johnson hurts his shoulder. And having guys in there in that last preseason game, that's a real risk that Mike Tomlin took. We'll see how injured Johnson and Watt may be. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Monday edition of PFT Live right after this. One more thing that stands out from week three of the preseason, really all of the preseason, Chris the quarterback in Tennessee, not named Ryan Tannehill. That's right. The, I guy's, mean, the guy's special, yeah. and it's going to be hard to keep him on the sidelines. Yeah, I, he's, you know, I know Tannehill's had a very good training camp down there in Tennessee. And, you know, again, I, I don't expect this to be a short leash for him at all. But, you know, I do think this is one of those where he's going to have to play really good, really good to, to keep his job maybe in the next year. I mean, Malik Willis, it's not perfect. It's still raw. You know, and yes, you know, you're still some, hey, the guy's open here, or go to the next read. But man, you've seen growth in that area. And then at the very least, we see incredible physical ability on a week to week basis here. And we saw a guy get better at quarterbacky things throughout the preseason. Yeah, so, I mean, again, the, some his arm is special. And then even the run he had the other night, right? The 45 yard run, weaving through traffic. I mean, he's shown the ability to, to your point, Mike, to do to be a special starter. At least has the the skill and the traits to be that potentially. When it comes to running ability, he's not Mike Vick in that he runs away from people. He's more like Deshaun Watson. One of Deshaun Watson's great skills, even though we haven't seen him obviously in a while, is his ability to navigate through a broken field and weave through traffic and yeah. know where the opening is and skirt to an edge and cut back. And it's never a flash. It's just kind of like he's kind of steadily the hot knife through butter, and that's kind of what Willis does when he runs the ball. I want to see more of him. I hear you. All due respect to Ryan Tannehill, I want to see more Malik Willis. Yeah, well, I know. I don't know if we'll see him this year. I think Tennessee's still going to be a really good team, and I think Ryan Tannehill's still a good starting quarterback, but, you know, the clock might be ticking if he doesn't have that year that we go, ooh, we think he should, because Malik Willis is definitely, you know, coming up the, the rear here. 
the clock is entirely ticked up on us. Chris, have a great birthday. See everybody. Thank you. See you. Thanks for coming to see me, Mike. Thank you. See you. Bye-bye. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz & Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.